Hey, welcome back to Worship and Warfare. I'm your host, Jacob Barnett, and we're looking at what does it mean to live a life of worship in a, in a life of warfare. Because over the past few years, I've realized that there are actually two sides of the same coin. This idea of, of worship and warfare, and how do we worship God in the middle of a, of a battle that we feel like we're fighting? Or how can we live a life of victory as a worship? And the, the crossover that each, each really has within the other, um, it's an interesting uh, dialogue between the two. And thank you for joining me for the, for the journey. I don't really know what I'm doing. All I know is that the Holy Spirit said go, and here we are. So thank you. This week, though, we're, we're looking at generational worship and generational warfare. And, and what does it look like? What, what do we find in the Bible? Or, or how does it actually play out in our families? Things like punishment or, or blessings, sin, um, favor for that matter. But what does that look like? And I, I, think it's, I think it's a connection that we need to explore because our family victories and our family losses are passed down. The, the victories of my family where, where they've, they've realized something or there's a, a long lineage of faith, it's made it easier for my faith. It's made it easier for me to take the word of the Lord and and hide it in my heart and, and pass it down to my children or begin to pass it down to my children because they're they're one, two, and four years old right now. So they're they're not quite they don't quite understand what we're talking about sometimes. But either way, I recognize that I have a long lineage of faith, which means that there's a long lineage of victories and losses, but they're passed down to me and, and I get to champion that somehow, some way. So we're just going to dive right in real quick to a passage that I'm, I'm confident you might be familiar with, but we're going to take a, a deeper look at it. It's Exodus 20, 5 through 6. And here, it, th- this is God talking, and it, it's talking about punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and the fourth generations. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So this whole idea of punishing the children for the sin of their parents down to a third and fourth generation and showing love to a thousand of those generations for those that, that love and keep God's commandments. And, and it's an interesting uh, paradigm. I, I've heard a lot of people talk about blessing and curses and generational blessing and curses. And it, I can't, in good conscience, talk about curses, talk about generational curses, because I'm not exactly sure what people mean when they say that. And when I look at scripture, the passages like this that people kind of hearken to, it's not talking about a, a curse that's going to plague somebody until they die. It's talking about a punishment that will pass. Um, here in the Old Testament, it's normally death. So it's it's one punishment and you're done. But there's still something here that's passed down the line. Um, I, I do think, though, on, on a quick side note again, that there is an idea of passing blessings person to person or, or father to son, mother to son, mother to daughter, father to daughter, however we want to look at it. I, I don't know what it is. 
and I don't want to tread into that water because I'm not the most familiar with it. But for right now, we're going to stay here in the generational worship camp because that's where the Holy Spirit has really brought me right now. Um, and to clarify, real quick, I don't think that this is necessarily a salvation issue. Because I'm not saying that people are going to be doomed to hell or they're going to be automatically called to heaven without their own choice and volition to choose Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself in John 14 says, None come to the Father except by me. And so you, you can't necessarily inherit salvation to the Father or, or to heaven or to the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I, I don't think that's necessarily inherited by itself. And, again, just a, a few books later from Exodus, in Ezekiel, it says that the one who sins is the one who dies, in Ezekiel 18. And so I, I want to clarify, I don't think I can call this a salvation issue, but what I am talking about is the sense of justice and grace, and they're, they're two holy and divine institutions of God. And I think that grace, through the Holy Spirit, will prevail over justice. I mean, we, we know that God is he's slow to anger, He's slow to judgment, and He's, he's quick to, to give out mercy and grace and compassion to those that seek His face. And so that's, that's where we're going to camp on with this. So this whole notion of punishing the, the family line down to the third or fourth generation and blessing it down to a, a thousand generations shows up a few different places in, in Scripture. Um, a lot of them are, are kind of hearkening back to the Exodus passage or, or passages where it talks about it, like Exodus 20, 5 through 6, that I just read a little bit ago. And before we move on, I, I want to I notice an interesting and really hopefully encouraging um, difference in perspective. Because this is God. God will punish, the Father will punish the family line down to the third or fourth generation. And he will bless the family line to a thousand generations. I'm going to say that again. God's going to punish to third or fourth generations and bless to the thousandth generation. God is much more eager to bless your family line. He's much more excited to, to show his favor, and he's so much more excited to share the, the love and the grace and the mercy, all of, all of those attributes. He's much more eager to share those with your family line than he is to punish it. He, I'm not going to say he doesn't want to punish because I can't say that. But when it comes to punishment, he doesn't want it to last forever. He's not going to just keep on punishing, 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 punishing down to a thousand generations because that's not going to, that's not going to, that's not going to breed anything good that long down the line. But if he keeps on blessing and blessing and blessing, blessing is going to breed blessing and then that's going to multiply. It's just an interesting um, little nugget of the Father's love that we have here in these topics, in these conversations, that He's much, much, much more excited and apt to bless your family to a thousand generations than to punish it. So I hope you're encouraged by that, because when I, when I realized that, I was, pretty, I was pretty ecstatic. So what does this mean, to, to have a... a a family punishment or a family sin really is what we're talking about here. Um, if you want to use the term curse, go ahead. 
again, I can't in, in good conscience, but this family sin, which is what is being punished, or this family blessing, which is being edified and, and encouraged and hopefully furthered down the family line. So what does it look like? What does it mean? And I, I had this revelation uh, probably a couple of years ago when I had my second son, Remus. And I, I started to think to myself or, or think openly with, with God, what are my kids inheriting from me? Or what are they going to inherit from me? And what are the things that I'm giving them right now as I, as I raise them, as they look at me as, a, as an example to, to the Father, to, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, as their example, their first chief example with, with their mom, my wife Carissa. What, what am I giving them? And I was really humbled because I wasn't, I wasn't really quite sure because there, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of bad. And I, I realized that what I've been given came from my father and mother and my, my spiritual father and mother as well. And that's what I want to give out. And so I, I looked at my parents, my, my dad first and then my mom uh, a little later. And from my dad, I, I realized that I have a lot of his faith. I have a lot of his courage. A lot of his playful sarcasm and, and playful mischief. And I, I have a very healthy portion of his heart of a servant. I, I think those are some of the biggest blessings that he's giving me. Um, some of the better, better gifts that he's given me. And I, I really hope that I do give those to my kids as they grow up. Um, I, I think some of those are genetic. I really do where it's just kind of ingrained in my person, in my soul of, I'm just a, I'm just a sarcastic little punk, or I'm a real mischievous kind of guy that everybody just, just loves. Um, things like that, I, I do know, they're just part of my personal makeup. And I also recognize and believe that I gained them just watching my dad growing up. Um, I, I mean, you can read countless psychology um Articles or books or even little uh, little snippets online, and it'll, it'll say the same thing that your kids pick up most of their habits, their attributes, their personalities from the family, their home life first, and then their friends at, at school, church, daycare, wherever they're at. Those two areas form the kid the most, and primarily it's at home. But I going that, back to my dad. I also realized that through the course of my life, my own sexual sin is almost exactly as his. And again, my sin is my sin and his sin is his sin. But I also recognize that I've been much more prone to sexual sin because my father has sexual sin that that thankfully he's been redeemed of. But his mother as well had sexual sin. My my grandma had dad out of wedlock. And then I I'm confident that if we keep on going down the family line, this this sexual sin is in my family line. And I, I can't specifically pinpoint where it happened, but I can recognize that in my family, sexual sin is a major ailment, a, a major barrier between us and pursuing Jesus with everything we have. And so that's, that's not shame on my dad. That's not 
any judgment or condemnation. That's just recognizing that my sin is the same as my father's sin, is the same as my grandmother's sin, and probably is the same as my great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather or mother, whoever it is. It's, it's reciprocal. So the, the pre or un or un extramarital sex that my wife and I had, the pornography I was addicted to for but the better part of 10 years of my life, and the overarching sin of lust, all of that, plagued my life for far too long. And I, I recognize, again, that part of that is because I was just inherently prone to it. I'm sure there's more, but there's, that's the most pressing one that I can recognize uh, presently. And, and again, I want to reiterate, I don't think I've been punished for my father's sin. I don't think that I have to carry the weight of his sin to the cross. He's already done that. He's already taken it to Jesus. He's already been forgiven and redeemed and sanctified from it. But I also know that I have to deal with my own. And thankfully, again, I have. But it's something that I hope, as I get to my mom, my kids will not have to fight at all, or if they do, not nearly as hard as I had to fight my own. So with mom, mom comes from a fairly long line of alcoholism, uh, drug abuse, um, I mean sexual sin as well, I'm, I'm sure, just... Uh, just the lustful idea of sin. Uh, overall, just a pretty ruffian lifestyle. I mean, my my grandfather was a biker. He started his own biker club. I mean, my it, I can I can go on with stories that that I know of, of my family. And it, they like I said, they were just a ruffian kind of kind of people. Bless them, love them, but that's who they are. And she. She recognized that too, and I want to recognize and honor my mom, Shannon, for this, because I, I can look back on my life growing up, and my sister as well, and they never, my mom and dad never really drank in front of us. They didn't ever really do drugs, except for cigarettes, but they never did hard drugs in front of my sister and I. They were never overly abrasive. In front of my sister and I, they they really sheltered us in a great way against a lot of that. And my mom took it upon herself to give my sister and I a better life and a future than she had. Uh, both my parents, mom and dad, but I'm looking at mom. I recognize that it was such a such a monumental shift in her and in her family to make that decision. And so looking back with, with the eyes that I have now and the understanding, my mom stood in intercession and said that the, the sin of alcoholism, drug abuse, addiction, a, a ruffian lifestyle, the sin is going to end with her. And that's bold. That's honorable. Um, it's, it's ballsy. And it worked. Like I just said, I, I never remember a time in... I mean, my parents were plagued with those kind of sins, at least not overly, um, overly in the open, openly. Um, so I want to honor her for that because I think that's the key to generational warfare: is recognizing sin in your family, of course, in in your own heart, but in your family, and saying it ends with me. Um, I, I can't quite remember 
where it is. But there was a there was a battle going on. I think Abraham was the high priest, and his brother. Oh gosh, Aaron. I think it was Aaron. Uh, they, there was a battle, or no? I'm sorry. There was a plague. There was a plague, and Aaron got all of his gear on. He he got the his staff, his robe, his little. Um, ringlet or whatever he wore on his head he got all of his holy attire on he ran out to where the plague was and he stood in the middle in intercession and in faith and where he stood the plague stopped and there was a wake of of dead people around him and then there was a wake of alive people around him and i think that it's the same idea with generational warfare where we recognize sin in our family and we put on our holy attire, that, that's the Holy Spirit himself, and the, the, the gear that he's given us, the armor for battle, and the sword of the Spirit, and everything. And we set upon our heart that that's where it's going to stop. That whoever it's already afflicted before, bless them, but it's not going to keep on going past you to your children, or your children's children, or your children's children, because it stops with you. That sin, the... The, the curse, if you want to call it that, the ailment, the thing that plagues your life stops with you to, to take it back to the cross, to admit the sin, to admit the fault, and take it back to the cross where, where it belongs with, with Jesus, our, our great Redeemer. And I think that's where the Holy Spirit has really begun to, to shape my understanding of generational worship to empower and equip and encourage us to take these revelations and take these these nuggets of goodness that we've got and to bless them or bless our kids as an inheritance currently right now while they're alive and and take these things that we've won and pass it on to our kids and take these losses and show them what it looks like to not live a, a redeemed or holy or sanctified life and how much better it is to live one I mean, I know that my parents made it their mission to give my sister and I a, a, a better future, to make their ceiling of life my floor so that I can keep moving forward with the Lord. And, and I want to honor. I, I, no, I don't, I don't even want to. I am. In this moment, I honor their, their, their bold prayers and intercession and, and that commitment to free our family from those sins. So I think that's, I think that is general generational worship as as warfare it's fighting for the future of our children and their children and their children's children it's so that a thousand generations of ours goes by fully knowing the love of god choosing to follow his voice and, and freeing those around them i think that's generational worship and generational warfare it's just that whole idea of fighting for the future of our families I mean, when I go back to Exodus 25 through 6, I mean, it says, Showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and, and keep my commandments. I mean, the, the whole core of it is, is just loving God by obedience. And I think that's another part of what it looks like to parent, is just being obedient, keeping his commandments, to share the gospel, to, to just spread Jesus, however it looks like, however you're able to. I mean, your, your, your kids see that. 
well, they'll know that they can do it because mom and dad can do it. So I guess that's the that's the whole idea. Challenge yourself. Take it take it to to your prayer time. If you don't have one, make one. But take it back to to you and God. What are you giving your kids as an inheritance right now? What are they gaining from you right now? Is it a sin? Is it a, a, a recurring generational ge- genealogical sin that is plaguing your family? Is it a blessing of, of favor of always being able to get a job? Is it a blessing of always having your, your needs met of the Father providing for you? What are the blessings that you're, you're able to give your kids right now? And if not, how can you in Holy Spirit change it? So think about it. Again, this is this is Jacob Barnett, and we're we're looking at what it looks like to live a life of worship and warfare, and how can we how can we bring the two together in a way that honors God and gives Him the glory. So this week we looked at generational warfare and fighting for the future of our children, and next week we're going to look at wounds and what what does it mean to be wounded, and how can we heal. Or find healing from these wounds that we might be carrying. So be blessed this week. Hang out with with God. And you'll be changed.